I said, empty your mind. Be formless, shapeless, like water. It's about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. Join movement expert Aaron Alexander as he dives into the minds of the foremost innovative healthcare thinkers and movement masters on their approach to optimal health and wellness. Align Podcast. Hey folks, this is Aaron Alexander. No, I'm just kidding. You may have guessed that already. This is Ben Greenfield, but I happen to be with Aaron Alexander teaching at a fantastic little resort slash retreat slash detox called Runga down in the jungles of Panama. Uh, Aaron told me that he interviewed the great Dr. Mercola, and uh, I informed him that Dr. Mercola is one of my favorite guys of all time. So Aaron figured it might be a cool idea for me to actually introduce this podcast episode to you because you may have guessed this already. Dr. Mercola is the guest that you are about to hear. This guy is brilliant. He is somewhat controversial uh, due to his stance on everything from vaccines to EMF and beyond, but I find that he is not only incredibly passionate about what he does, but he's steeped in the research. He practices what he preaches. He's one of those guys who lives life in the trenches every single time I've hung out with him. He's actually doing the type of things that you're about to hear him do in today's podcast with Aaron. Uh, And uh, I believe that he does mention uh, my voracious reading habit during this episode. And yes, it is true. I do read probably probably more than is healthy for me, but I do love to read. So uh, so yes, Dr. Mercola is a wonderful, wonderful mind for Aaron to have been able to tap into. And I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I plan on enjoying it. So without further ado, here you go. All righty. That was Mr. Ben Greenfield. You've heard him here a couple times previously. Um, pretty rad guy. Check his podcast out, Ben Greenfield Fitness. And I uh, hope you guys enjoy this conversation with Dr. Joe Mercola. Be sure to grab the show notes from this and the rest of the episodes at aligntherapy.com. And as well, you can jump on and uh, start the five-day movement challenge, integrating fundamental movement practices into your daily existence so hope you guys enjoy both of those things and thanks so much for using itunes thanks for utilizing the amazon affiliate link to buy crap on amazon and thanks for listening here we go back to the show with dr mercola podcast yeah and like i said i'd be happy to hook you up with that with an actual session i mean i got to kind of like twiddle in your yeah, head yeah. A little bit, but i'd be I think... no 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 I, it's obviously you're a very talented therapist so i but i really appreciate that well, i appreciate appreciate you man all right well so oh man you position yourself in a, in a precarious situation <laughs> what is the precarious situation dr mccullough <laughs> You are behind a meter. <laughs> the oh, meter's behind you. I know. Isn't this a metaphor? This is I don't know if that's emitting anything, but I would de- definitely oh, sure man. want to damn well measure it. Well, I'm also staring into a Wi-Fi computer. 
Yeah, and, yeah, and I, I know. I have the the cords hanging over my my. I am I am completely right wired, and my exposure <laughs> from radio frequencies is less than less than point zero one volts per meter. So, totally. well, so. So that's here. that's a great starting point. So I've had uh, Dr. Jack Cruz on four oh, times sure. now, and um, we get into all this stuff. But this is something that, upon meeting you, I guess the first time was in San Diego. You had yes, what, what, is, what is the gizmo that you were carrying around? You were testing lights and such. What was that? Well, there's a number of things. I was uh, initially inspired by uh, Jack Cruz's uh, elucidation on photobiology. So I had actually purchased a, a $2,000 light meter to identify the type of light quality coming off from the light sources. So it can differentiate between LEDs and fluorescents and halogens. And uh, this way, when I typically, I always, almost always bring it when I travel because there's no way, it, it's frequently very challenging to discern what type of lighting is in an indoor room. So if I'm lecturing, I'm going to be there, spend a lot of time, I need to know if I need to wear my blue blockers or not. I don't need to wear them in the daytime if it's incandescent lighting, either halogen or, or regular incandescent. But if it's LED or fluorescent, I sure do. Yeah. And so what do you, what are some of the things that maybe people might be surprised about that's, you know, it's like this invisible world. Well, that's just the photobiology perspective. That's the tip of the iceberg and probably not as crucial as the more important one, which is the exposure to EMFs, hmm. okay. uh, which, you know, almost there, there's just no, it's almost futile to measure it in a, uh, hotel environment because it's going to be off the charts right. there's just no hotels it's not blasting the wi-fi everywhere and plus people with cell phones on which are pervasive so you got radically high exposures everywhere yeah so the question becomes you know you're you're, you're just not going to be able to mitigate in that envir environment too well unless you do biological individualized biological uh, remediation which we can t discuss yeah well how about around the house then let's say we're not in it. that's where you have a lot of potential and yeah the, the experts in this field of emf remediation are called building biologists they're full-time professionals trained very well and certified and go through lots of uh, courses to get that certification. And uh, there's only a few hundred in the country, but you can just go, you know, look them up. And ideally, you'd like to have one come to your house. For less than $1,000, they can come to your house, spend a whole day, bring about $10,000 in worth of very sophisticated equipment, mm -hmm. and really carefully identify the uh, sources in your home. Uh, it's not necessary. That would be an ideal. Uh, a lot of things you, you can do for yourself, and you can pick up a meter like an Acoustometer 2, which is probably the single best inexpensive measurement uh, device out there uh, to measure radio frequency, you know, the microwaves coming from your router and your cell phone. Um, and it's only the only problem with the Acoustometer 2, it's under $200, but it's at a very obscure website. If you want, I can give you the website's name. Yeah, maybe please. Because this is uh, recorded, your, your, your listeners can play it back just to make sure they got it right. Yeah. That website is amazon.com. Okay, good. I'll try to remember that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so you can pick it up there. And that's basically what I use to remediate my own, own home, at least from a radio frequency perspective. Mm, awesome. And I was able to do almost all of it, pretty much all of it, with that one simple $150 meter. Wow. Now, I wound up purchasing a $2,000 meter because I'm really intrigued with this and want to 
be measuring very precisely and not have anyone tell me that you're using junk meters. And, you know, so the best meters out there are by gigahertz solutions. They're from Germany. They're about each device is about $2,000. Uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, they, they are really good for measuring the electric and magnetic fields, which uh, unfortunately they're, most of the meters out there are junk when they're inexpensive for electric and magnetic meters. Uh, but there is the clone, not the clone, but the equivalent of the acoustometer two is the PF5, uh, which measures electric and magnetic. It's, it's uh, again, under $200, but it can, it can tell you where these electric fields are, which is a problem. And Aaron, you would be surprised. I mean, I've, uh, I think you were Bulletproof, and yeah, I love Bulletproof. That was just such a great conference, and I've, I wound up getting, I don't know, almost $100,000 of biohacking equipment. And some of this equipment was like, you know, $20,000, $50,000, and these, I mean, really high-end stuff, right? And and they're totally used to improve your health. Yet these devices, oh, in almost every case, failed to look at the electric fields coming out of their device. Mm-hmm. So I had to work with the manufacturers to remediate the big, because they never measured them. They're, they weren't even aware that they existed because they were using, uh, they didn't even have grounded transformers, let alone uh, you know, non-switching transformers. So, yeah, I'm kind of have like old man syndrome where I'm I'm very distrustful of most most gizmos, and and um, you know, so I really value someone like a perspective like yours that can really get into the nitty gritty of what's what with that. But like you mentioned, just walking along the beach being a huge in parentheses biohack. Can you get into a little bit of just how nature is a lot cheaper and sometimes more effective? Well, it's a great biohack, primarily from a light perspective um, and the light frequencies, which are part of EMF. Those are the healthy beneficial EMFs. You're going to need red and near infrared, which should be the frequencies that most people are familiar with. Most people know about UVB, uh, which gives them the vitamin D, and UVA, which gives you the tan. UVA also uh, improves the, uh, not improves, but catalyzes the release of nitric oxide from your superficial skin capillaries, causing the blood vessels there to dilate and really shunt almost over half of your blood flow to your skin. The benefit of this is that the blood cells are very close to the surface of the skin and they can absorb the frequencies from the sun. So uh, it's a win-win and it uh, doesn't cost anything. And if you're walking on the beach like I do barefoot, unfortunately, you know, I, I've been doing this for years. And I say the majority of people who walk on the beach are wearing shoes, which is just blows your mind, but never less true. And you know what else they're doing? Tell me. They're wearing sunglasses. Yeah. Right. <laughs> what a like, paradox we live in. Yeah. So they have been deceived and manipulated and fooled by the um, public health authorities and the media. So sunglasses are meant for, for the nighttime. The song was right. Yes, uh, that is correct. I mean, there are cases where sunglasses might be beneficial or screens like, but it's uh, like moments. ski slopes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's in my lifetime, it's virtually zero. But uh, you're right. I call them reverse sunglasses. That's the only time I put them on is at night when I'm in, when I'm in unhealthy light environments. Yeah. Or, or after the sun goes down, you know, pretty much it's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, something that I'm tinkering with right now, I'm looking over on my deck, which I'm out here. I am barefoot. I am sitting on the ground and I'm looking at my, my garden beside my, my electrical box here. Um, but I got a pitcher of water and I'm tinkering with different things with it. I poured a little salt in it. I put it in the refrigerator, which I got out of your book, that for fuel. Um, 
And yeah. do you have any, can we kind of talk a little bit about well, that? Well, that would, oh yeah, there's no question water is a really important uh, part of the equation of obtaining ideal health. Uh, the primary issue is that you want to have clean water. Most of the water now is contaminated, hmm. of course, through uh the public health authorities who believed that fluoridation of the water was the greatest public health advancement of the 20th century, which is Crazy. just uh, just ludicrous. Yeah. But nevertheless, that's their perception. And fluoride, of course, is a toxin uh, that you do not want in your water. And, and the sad tragedy is that once it's in, it's very difficult to remove. You can't remove it with a simple carbon filter. It, it it's really requires some more exotic and uh, intensive methods like uh, reverse osmosis and distillation to actually remove the fluoride molecule, yeah. very small molecule. So if you want to get fluoride-free, toxin-free water to start with, and then you can start optimizing it. And what you referenced was, I had mentioned putting the water in the refrigerator, which puts it at about 37 degrees uh, Fahrenheit, which is an ideal temperature to structure the water, basically mm. convert it to H3O2, H, I'm sorry, H2O3. Uh, <laughs> which has some benefits. But the other benefit that I neglected to mention of walking on the beach is that, yes, you are exposed to infrared and near-infrared, uh, but that structures your in, uh, intracellular water, which is one of the primary benefits, I think, to structuring your water, uh, which provides energy to your body. So it's sort of a hidden source of energy outside of the calories you're eating. And uh, so you can drink structured water, I think is great, but ideally you want to structure the water in your body, which is why I think exposing your skin to the sun is so beneficial. One of the, probably one of the primary reasons aside from vitamin D. Do you recommend reverse osmosis as being like, what are, what are our best filters? I think, that's, I think that's the best. The challenge with RO systems is that um, they almost all of them have a tank and that tank will invariably be contaminated within a month. Hmm. And, it, and it's just an enormous maintenance issue. So they, you can look for a tankless RO system uh, that has a, uh, a pump on it so that it produces a significant stream output. So you have to sit, there, sit by the faucet for like 15 minutes to, to fill your glass. Uh, and then you can store it in your refrigerator too. So that's hmm. what I use. I, I also have a whole house, whole house carbon filter which helps someone, but I'm obsessive compulsive. So yeah, there's a book we will include in the show notes called the fourth phase of water by Jared Pollock. You're familiar with that one, I'm sure. Right. And that's, yeah. that's kind of gets into like the real deep nitty gritty of this stuff. But as far as well, and all that stuff, what's, you know, I, I I've interviewed uh, Dr. Pollock twice, I think. And he, his book is really brilliant in that it's, he conveys very complex topics easily, so almost that a fifth grader can understand it, which is a really challenging skill, so he's very gifted at it. Yeah. Uh, but I think an even better book would be Dancing with Water by M.J. Pangman, okay. uh, who goes into some of the more exotic strategies that you are seeking to identify to optimize water. And she really goes into them very deep. I don't know of any other resource that does it more intensely. And there's a lot of interesting things she can do just, uh, just to structure water with vortexes and, and different containers that you would hold it in. And, and I, in addition to what I didn't put in my book, what I use is I, I, I think I had like eight neodymium magnets that I taped to the bottom of my glass and you know put it in a pretty strong magnetic field to also facilitate the, the uh, structuring. So how about just pouring it into a big glass pitcher and then putting it into the fridge? Is that... Yeah, that's what I that's what I do. Yeah, okay. yeah, I leave it there for a day. And I, I actually, if you're going to use a distiller or a... 
uh, RO filter is going to be devoid of or relatively devoid of minerals. So I like to add in magnesium because that's a mineral almost everyone listening to this is deficient in. Yeah. And uh, in addition to resolving that deficiency, I think uh, even far exceeding the RDA requirements is useful because there's some work by Martin Paul, P-A-L-L, who's done some pretty intriguing uh, science on identifying the uh, mechanism of a damage from EMF exposure. So it turns out it's due to these voltage-gated calcium channels. And if you could block those channels with a drug, like a calcium channel blocker, it will actually lower the damage. Mm. But inter interestingly, we don't want to use a drug, of course. Uh, the natural blocker would be magnesium. So I, uh, my strategy is to take as much magnesium as you can without getting loose stools. Mm. Uh, and that is, that it's very, very difficult to overdose on magnesium because um, your body will excrete it through the stool. So you've got this feedback mechanism. So I would usually push it to the point where you get loose stools and then back off a little little bit okay another thing that i've heard i'm seeing all these random now that i'm studying into you more i'm seeing all these random congruencies that i hadn't realized with uh, like I mean, something that i've been doing forever is is eating little fish which isn't any big surprise but maybe to some people it might be you know so like sardines and anchovies is something that i do i thought it was because i was cheap and then i'm like oh no. wait, i was on to something <laughs> no that is the best way to do it yeah and it, and it's and it, and it gets back to one of the other primary concepts which is eating whole food real food right Right. So yeah, you can you can take omega threes, pretty high quality omega threes. We even sell them too, like from krill oil or fish oil. But that's not going to be as good as eating the real food, uh, because there's other ingredients in there that accompany the omega threes, like resolvents and protectants. In the case of fish, yeah. that also lower infl inflammatory responses, and you know give you the, the 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 food the way it was designed to be delivered in the whole package. So it's always better to do that. And you, you were ahead of, ahead of the curve if you understood that because that is the ideal way. Now you can also use shrimp, which is America's favorite seafood, but just don't get it from Indonesia. You can get really small, tiny fish from Vital Choice that are literally smaller than this, much smaller than the sardines. I mean, they're like less than an inch yeah. so uh they're obviously the smaller they are the less likely they are and they to be contaminated and if they if they're grown in alaskan waters they're pretty clean to begin with but most shrimp are highly contaminated and should be avoided especially in a, in a restaurant what's the story with how you became so damn expert on all this stuff why, why are you so interested oh i'm passionate about health i have been ever since for the last 50 years. I don't know why. I just wanted to be healthy. I, I think the catalyst was reading Ken Cooper's book in 1968, which started my exercise journey and running for 43 years before I got disgusted with it and stopped and realized I should have been doing some other form of exercise training. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I've always been, been passionate. I got detoured a bit when I went to medical school because... Of course, they uh, they're going to brainwash you. And a lot of some people are able to get through med school and not be brainwashed, brainwashed. But they are few and far between. I've only met a few in my lifetime, but yeah. almost everyone is. And they can a lot of physicians convert like I do afterwards, but very few understand the truth before going in and coming out afterwards. So I was in, aligned with wellness and really chastised quite a bit for my classmates for wanting to get people healthy rather than to treat disease, you know, was a foreign concept to them. It is still right. the most. So uh, it's always been my passion is a, is a simple answer. Yeah. I think it's the, it's the, the irony of going to 
a lot of different schools, but especially a health-related school, is um, it's thick because of the, all the sitting that we end up doing while we're there. Mm -hmm. You know, and it doesn't so, have to be, but it doesn't it, have but typically. To yeah, but you know, med school, it's really it's like a seven-year training minimum after you get out because four years of the academics or the school and then your residency training, and really of that, there's only two years that you're sitting, which is the the clinic the. Uh, the basic science years. The rest of the time, you're rotating through clinical uh, rotations and and internships and residency. So you're pretty much have a, you're, you're not sitting down much. Yeah. When we were in at the low carb summit, you mentioned on stage actually. You mentioned you were sitting for something like 16 hours a day. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Crazy. Absolutely. That's normal. Yeah. Is the thing. <laughs> it's like oh my yeah. god. We're like wait, I think that's me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I had no clue. I was just, you know, because I was always passionate about exercise my entire adult life and, and pre-adult life. Um, I, I assumed that that one hour a day in the gym, and it really was pretty much every day I was working out at least an hour, uh, that that was sufficient to meet my exercise requirements. And boy, was I deceived mm. or deluded might be a better way of <laughs> perception. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and oftentimes because of that sitting, we're kind of, you know, we have to realize that we're always practicing building our connective tissue. We're always building our structure. And so if you're putting yourself in that position and then put yourself in kind of like a violent-ish workout, it's actually kind of dangerous. You know, so it's like if we can kind of keep that mobility and that fluidity, you know, Supple Leopard is a great just title of a book, Kelly Starrett's book. Oh, I love it. I love Kelly's work. Is that yeah. something that has been kind of infused into your day-to-day, -day, kind of maintaining it throughout the day as opposed to having one like, you know, okay, now I'm working out, now I stopped working out, or is that? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, the basic thing is I sit at a, a stand-up desk. I use a Vera desk that can alternate to sitting with a few times of the day that I sit. But there, I would say most days I sit less than a few minutes hmm. and I stand up most of the time. And then I'll, I'll typically do an hour and a half and sometimes on the weekend, two and a half hours of walking on the beach. Uh, and then I have an exercise program that could be another hour or two hours. <laughs> it's crazy. The entire morning I'm, I'm taking care of my personal health for at least six hours doing things and not even looking at email or doing any work. So, you know, cause, uh, I deserve it. I deserve to focus on my health, you know? Yeah, that's cool. And so I think that what people could potentially do is they could start, you know, putting six hours into self-care and also maybe work at the same time. You know, yeah, for some yeah. people that might not be realistic to, to just have that. No, I still work for eight hours, but, you know, the first, you know, I get up early and I typically, I, I would say for the most of the, the entire afternoon I'm working, yeah. uh, finish my work, my exercise routines and health habits but uh yeah and i'm standing up as we're doing this interview i'm standing up so it's pretty rare where i sit down yeah and then and then another thing is is feeling energetic enough to actually give a dang about exercising and something that i think mm -hmm. oftentimes we're, we're 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 overfed you know we're always stuffed you know and oh, so yeah. it's yeah. to get to muster up that energy to do something if you're of all your blood's in your belly you know it's not so easy is that that's something that you've been delving into quite a bit over the years right well, I've been fo focusing on nutrition most of my professional career as the, the, one of the primary ways, treatment modalities, and it certainly is very useful. There are other effective strategies such as sleep and, and yeah. movement, you know, which I think is the better category term than exercise. Yeah. Uh, and you're really very well uh, versed in that topic. I was impressed with your breadth of knowledge when we met. Thank you for and, that. Um, so, so you get it on a, in a really deep level, like many others. Um, but with respect to nutrition, one of the 
most profound, actually probably the most profound metabolic and most powerful metabolic intervention I've ever encountered in my nearly four decades of clinical medicine is fasting. So yeah. just simply not eating food. I just uh, finished my third five-day fast uh, a few days ago. Hmm. And uh, it's, it's extraordinary what it does with respect to uh, helping your body uh, catalyze a, an important metabolic process called autophagy, which is self-eating. Right. And we're essentially removing senescent or senile cells They've stopped reproducing and are clogging up your system. Most people, they just hang around and accelerate the age at which you're going to die, or the, the, your path towards death, I'm sorry. And uh, in addition to that, fasting will also stimulate stem cells to pr provide new cells to replace the damaged ones that are removed. So, and it doesn't cost anything, and it cures the, one of the most significant causes of disease, which is insulin resistance. Hmm. And uh, most clinicians realize that 50% of the United States population has either diabetes or prediabetes. That's what the accepted fact is. Right. But the reality is that it's far worse. It's probably somewhere between 80 to 90% if you use a different diagnostic measure. They're using the uh, glucose level, and it's not really glucose that, that causes type 2 diabetes. I mean, it's definitely a factor, but it's not the fundamental one. The fundamental one is insulin resistance. And you measure that by giving uh, an, uh, essentially an oral glucose tolerance test, like 75 grams of glucose when you're fasting, measuring serum insulin at different periods after the, uh, the glucose assault, and uh, measuring the area under the curve. And you, you'll find that 80 to 90% of the population is insulin resistant. Mm. It's that insulin resistance that's causing the problem. So uh, that's where fasting is probably the single best cure for that. Uh, but obviously, you don't do fasting right off the bat. Uh, you have to build up to it. You have to, you know, basically restrict your eating windows to like intermittent fasting on a daily basis, where you maybe start at twelve hours, you work right on at ten, eight, six, four, and finally to four hours, and then do that for a while, and then you can do a five-day fast. And I, I've got details of that in my book. Fat for Fuel, but also Jason Fung, F-U-N-G, wrote the book, The Complete Guide to Fasting, which is a pretty comprehensive guide and probably the best book out there written on how to, how to do this fast. I was just talking to uh, Dr. Stephen Gundry. Do you, do you know Stephen? I'm, yes, I'm I, I, know him, I know him well. He actually introduced me to Tony Robbins. Perfect. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. I was just out with him just a, a couple few days ago. And um, one of the things he, he mentioned to me that I hadn't heard was there was a a study, I guess you could say, a bunch of participants who had rheumatoid arth arthritis. Um, they had done, I believe, it was a five-day fast. It could have been, could have been a little mm -hmm. bit more than that, but but an extended fast. And he said 100% of the people ended up having complete remission of rheumatoid arthritis. And then yeah. from there, there was like some other controversy in relation to like they went vegetarian, blah blah blah. But that's that's like. It's astounding. amazing. <laughs> it's like, yeah. yeah, just like oh, okay, whatever. Like that's a, that's a huge deal. Yeah, the uh, you know I've interviewed him twice, and the, his his big spiel, of course, is lectins. He does a lot more things, but this is biggest focus now. And just removing the lectins is a profound impact on. Re reducing the autoimmune uh, response. So uh, that's that's the primary way it works. And I've, re I've treated thousands of patients with rheumatoid arthritis and gotten pretty good results with them uh, for some my modified protocol. But I regret not having known the uh, lectin issue in that. I probably could have had much better results and helped people. And then fasting. Lectin and fasting, two things I never applied clinically.
So are there any kitchen hacks that maybe people aren't paying attention to? One of the things that, that Gundry gets into is, is pressure cooking as being a way of, of uh, yeah. If you if you want to if you want to address lectins and you want to eat lectin foods primarily like beans and legumes then certainly pressure cooking is a way to destroy the the lectins and you can eat those foods I'm not a big fan of those foods yeah, and I yeah. I don't have so I I don't really cook much food I'll have I cook bacon and, and shrimp a, a you know a few times a week and that's it otherwise I don't I don't really heat my food mm-hmm. I have most of it's raw I make a raw smoothie and then I have a big big salad pretty much every day uh and then some macadamia nuts so perfect uh that that gives me my food supply and i, I don't so i have a press i the best pressure cooker out there i think is the instapot and i purchased one because it was pretty good and it had such rave reviews but i still haven't used it once <laughs> yeah i find it easier just to just to pick widely in the vegetable department <laughs> You know, yeah, yeah. You just go buy, grab a bunch of vegetables. And then I feel like from that, you end up kind of clearing in a lot of spaces that you might need to supplement with if you just eat a wide yeah. diet. You know, is that absolutely? Can you take us through like a little tour of your kitchen? Is there anything that, that would stand out in your that maybe some people haven't been thinking about? Um, you know, I've, I've customized it to my specific needs, which is, you know, my drawer has about. I would say two or at least two dozen, probably closer to 30 and 35 uh, jars that are filled with things I put in my smoothie and my supplements. So, you know, it's just done for convenience, but um, there's not anything extraordinary about my kitchen hacks. You know, it's just, you know, I've got a nice refrigerator that I store my food in, but you know, it's pretty basic stuff. Um, the, the, uh, there's a lot of other things that uh, would help people that they're not too familiar with, which is like the EMS we were talking about and the meters yeah. to measure it. Yeah. But the, the biggest, one of the biggest hacks for health. Now I, I also want to talk about the phase angle, which uh, I will measure for you. Have you heard of phase angle before? I have heard of it, but please get into it. Okay. So phase angle is really, it's been around for almost 40 years. Okay. Um, and the, company that pioneered the measurement for the military was RJL. They're out of Detroit. And it's a de- essentially a device that uh, puts out a current at 50 kilohertz. And it's a very tiny current. It's less than a milliamp. And it have, you have electrodes on your hands and your feet. And it measures the resistance to this current, your body's resistance to the current that it's applying. And also there's something called the reactance. And then it's does that calculation it's a simple electrical calculation and literally the measurement takes like two minutes you know Mm -hmm. to put on the electrodes and do the measurement uh and then it takes the reactants divides it by the resistance and divides that uh or multiply i think multiplies by 180 degrees and divides by pi maybe it's divided but anyways this is this is calculation and it may be even the arc tangent that you use and when you get that number you have of the phase angle it's it's an electrical engineering term but the implications for biological health are quite enormous Mm. Uh, and virtually very few clinicians understand or appreciate this so what's the range of the phase angle um it's measured in decimal points but i like to throw the decimal point off and multiply it 10. So it's from 35 
200, say, is the typical range. If you're under, pretty much values under 35 aren't there because that's aligned with death. <laughs> if you're under 40, you're probably going to die pretty soon. If you're over 60, you're probably not going to get cancer in the near future. It's really, really hard to get cancer with a phase angle of over 60. And most people are under 60. They're probably between 50 and 60. If you're over 70, you're pretty healthy. And there are some people, in fact, my personal trainer, who's actually more ripped than you, uh, uh, came, came up at 12.5, <laughs> uh, which is like, it's like superhuman level. I just no idea. Mm. I mean, he, he weighs 50, we're the same height. He weighs 50 pounds more than I do. And that's, and he has less body fat than I do. <laughs> just brought back my, uh, my body, my body dysmorphia. Dr. McCall, thank you oh, I wasn't, no, <laughs> been, you, you haven't, it's been you, down should, for years. <laughs> you should not have dysmorphia because you, I mean, you're like, you probably your my guess is your phase angle is over ten. Would be you know, but I, I didn't even know it was possible to get over ten. Have you ever dealt with anybody dysmorphia? I had a, I mean, I still probably have a pinch of it, but I had a big time growing up. No, I never have, but you you certainly have no objective justification for having it. You got it. I would I would I would swap bodies in a heartbeat. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's I mean it, it's a trip. The connection that we have to our health and to our bodies is so blurry. You know, so many people we have because there's so much information. I think oftentimes yeah, yeah. we reach out for the information. It's like, am I doing it right? Am I doing it right? You know, and sometimes missing just like just having a dance, like forgetting about health, I think oftentimes is where the that's where the most highest concentration of health exists. Yes. You know, yes. You know what I'm saying? Do yeah, you have any, 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 do you have any kind of like flow state kind of stuff that you, which is such a silly word, but is that something that you are getting into on a daily basis? Yeah, I just focus on health practices and I don't really, yeah. you know, I mean, there's some interesting things I'm doing now that, uh, you know, I'm in the process of testing and using objective measurements to test them like phase angle and, and heart rate variability and, uh, some other assessments. Do you dance Dr. McCollum? Do I dance? Yeah. I don't. I oh dance. man. I should dance. Come out to San Diego. We gotta do it. We gotta we gotta hit the dance floor. Maybe yeah. I, <laughs> <open to> that. <laughs> that would be useful. No, dancing is a, an extraordinary useful strategy. There's no question. I, I believe it's the it's the, the most effective means of reversing any type of cognitive dysfunction, as at least as far as like what's been studied. You know, dance, music, challenging yourself to adapt to that environment. So much I never heard. Is, I never heard of that. Yeah, check into it. It's been it's it's significantly more effective than um, they they measured it against like crossword puzzles and like brain twisters, you know. And so uh, someone just getting up and moving, like you mentioned, you walk on the beach. I think I've even heard you mention you read while you're walking. Yes, that's shown to be uh, beneficial for what's called divergent thinking or creative thinking. Mm-hmm. Have you heard of any any of that stuff at all? I don't think I reviewed it. It's just, it's just more of a pragmatic thing that I do. Yeah. But I have noticed since I've been doing it for a few years now that it's pretty radically improved my ability to read. I'm not, I'm not a Ben yeah. Greenfield uh, and read a book a day. I read like uh, maybe two to three books a week. But he, he's getting 350 books a year plus read. I just don't know how he does it. But, you know, I struggle to get 150 read. You So when you're walking, you feel like that's improved your reading, actually. 
Yeah, my ability to comprehend, get through the material, uh, and read effectively. Yeah, you know, and then you know, it's interestingly because uh, you know a lot of people comment is, is how could you read and walk? It's like you know they, they can't comp possibly comprehend the ability to read text while you're walking. It's yeah. just extraordinary. There's a lot of people who believe that or feel that or experience it. Yeah, I've heard actually there's other studies, people being able to pick up skills more effectively when they're a little bit distracted, you know, so when you're so by listening to music or like you're saying, like going for a walk, it's not you're not so focused on the pages, it almost allows your subconscious to absorb it in a different way than if you have that really tight focus. Is that yeah, that could be that could be I'm not familiar with it, but it makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. And then so do you feel like that's a affected just your memory of the reading or or or, or what your, your ability to process it or what do you feel with that you no know, the ability to get through the material so to read at a rate where i'm i'm really flowing with it and understand it and not distracted and daydreaming you know and not paying attention to the text hmm. what about earthing sheets do you have any thoughts on that well, it gets to be complex. Uh, we started to talk about the electricity in the bedroom at night, which I think is something everyone needs to pay attention to. So yeah. one of the most important biohacks you can do for your health is turn off the electricity in your bedroom at night hmm. because uh, there are wires behind your wall, unless you live in Chicago or New York, then those wires are uh, encased in metal conduit, which cancel the electric fields. But almost everyone else, or you're living in a hotel because commercial code requires the electric wires to be in conduit too. But if you live in a residence pretty much anywhere in the United States, you've got electric wires running almost bare behind your bed and generate an electric field close to your brain. Not good. Not good. Because it minimizes your body, your pineal gland to produce melatonin. It also impairs your, uh, your ability to go into deep, deep sleep, stage four deep sleep, huh. where a lot of regeneration repair goes and, and, and uh, release of growth hormone. So it really, it doesn't cost anything. Just have to go to the circuit breaker, figure out which one and turn it off before you go to bed and turn it back on when you get up at night. I mean, in the morning, really. Does the, would it, would a, a, a earthing or grounding sheet, would that mitigate any of that? Or is it just, there's well, if you don't, if you don't do that, you're at risk for developing some complications from earthing because you're going to be attracting those fields into your body, which you do not want to do. It'll pass right through your body. So I wouldn't ground unless I was convinced that I was in a pretty significantly electrically field reduced environment, which I am. My electrical fields are pretty much 0.0, .0 volts when I go to sleep at night. Uh, and I have a very low magnetic field. It's like four nanotesla, which is extraordinarily good. Um, so you want to, you want to create, you know, the, the, the goal here is to replicate the environment that our ancestors lived in. And our ancestors never had exposure to these types of fields. They never did. This is a recent innovation, literally over the, a little over a hundred years. I mean, the electricity was discovered around, uh, or commercial application of electricity was in the late 1870s. Mm. So that's like 150 years. And, and it really wasn't widely implemented in, until you know, late 1890s, if you're in, in an urban area, uh, and certainly 1950, or if you're in a rural area. I would imagine probably a very low percentage of people listening to this would actually go to their 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 box and, and turn off like their, their sector of the house while they're sleeping. Uh, I hope they do. Uh, would there, is yeah, there anything well, else we can do? 
No, no, that is. That's it. it, it <laughs> I mean, you're going to pay the price otherwise, biologically. You won't know. I mean, you just try it, especially if it problems sleeping or uh, a significant percentage of people might have arrhythmias, cardiac arrhythmias. Mm-hmm. And if they do, then that's a simple thing that they can do. Now, you also, in, in conjunction with that, you want to turn off your Wi Fi. Yeah, night. I mean, just no, there's no reason not to, yeah. but the, the, you know, for, for for if you're really an astute advocate and passionate about health, you're going to want to get rid of your Wi-Fi completely, like I did, yeah. and just wire your house. Now, it's, there's an expense to it, of course, and if you're uh, renting, that's probably not a wise idea. But you know, you can, you know, it, it definitely contributes to your health. And if you're getting blasted with this, these signals day in and day out and never given your body an opportunity to rest at night, which is when it's probably the most important to minimize your exposure to these fields, then you're really going to, you're going to, you're going to have problems. And what type of problems? Alzheimer's, but that's not that common. It only affects one in two people. Yeah, no big deal. (laughs) Yeah. You don't have to worry about losing your brain or losing your fertility. If you're a guy, because 50%, you know, men, the fertility rate is decreased increased by 50% now, and it's mm. getting worse, 50%. Mm. So a lot of that is due to EMF. Now, there's other variables, of course, too, that, that can contribute to that, especially the uh, the pesticides and herbicides. And movement. Uh, Movement's a huge one, not to divert from oh, yeah, abso- other, but that's Absolutely, yeah. No, I'm a big fan of movement. As I said, that's the that was my initial... Um, entrance into health was was movement exercise you know through aerobics which is which is flawed implementation of it but nevertheless it was my initial introduction to it did you crush yourself with running or what was the story with that no i never really got injured i i, I was never uh, an exceptional uh, national level class athlete i was competitive locally so i ran like a 250 marathon and you and was on you know some some prestigious track clubs like the university of chicago track club but uh i just you know it's a tough thing it really is and i thought i, I always wanted to be an athlete but never really uh, appreciated the importance of being an all-around athlete mm. uh, and you know just focused on one events and cardio is just not a good strategy and one of my biggest health regrets in life is doing that yeah the um again i really enjoyed the fat for fuel book one of the one of the things in there that i i found interesting was the the conversation around different roasts of coffee and dark coffee actually being what was it it was more rich in a few things is there do you have any thoughts on on coffee choice i know that light coffee is supposed to be more caffeinated actually yeah, I don't drink coffee, so I'm not specifically. The only time I use coffee is when I'm doing my five day fast, and uh, I have an empty bowel on the second day, so I'll do a coffee enema. Oh, right. And uh, I, I stick it up the butt, keep it there for a half hour, and get many of the benefits that coffee has. Now, of course, it's a healthy coffee, organic and freshly freshly ground, so uh, and get the detox benefits. But uh, yeah, coffee can be useful. A lot of people are opposed to having anyone using it. I just don't like the taste. So I've never, never been a daily user. I certainly don't require it for energy. Yeah. So, so morning time in in relation to getting your butt moving. um, I've, you know, personally, I've been enjoying coffee just the last year or so before I wasn't that into it. Mm -hmm. Now, now I like it, but I find adding fat, you know, so today Mm -hmm. I put cow butter into my coffee with a bunch of other crap and I put some MCT oil. So is that legit? Is that a thing that, I mean, I feel like it's legit. Is that something that, that people, it's like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It it absolutely is. It's if you want to increase your key, there's a lot of therapeutic benefits for ketones. I wouldn't go so far as to take a key 
ketone supplement, but I think taking a ketone precursor like MCTs, which work, convert pretty rapidly to ketones if you're already have metabolic flexibility and you're not uh, consuming large amounts of processed foods and carbohydrates, yeah. uh, then you can use those MCTs. If, you, if you're having a standard American diet, it's not going to do squat for you except give you more calories. Yeah. Uh, but if you are, you're putting in coffee like you're suggesting is a, a very useful strategy. Yeah. And so what about seasonal seasonal eating? And that's another thing I got into with Gundry that, I, that was like kind of mind-blowing. And it's something that, like again, it, intuitively it feels like, yes, of course. But he's saying, yeah. is that something that you're you're pondering on? Uh, I live in Florida, so there's not a wide variety of seasons. Uh, right. So for me, it doesn't matter as much, but I think there's some benefit to that. Uh, and certainly it's an Ayurvedic practice, which has been around for thousands of years. So I think that, you know, contributes to the variety. You don't want to eat the same food all the time. So and it's, 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 like, it's like an exercise in a way, you know, it's like the same thing. You want to change up the adaptability of your, your exercise movement yeah. program. Is there any kind of science or do you have any, any thoughts on that of just like the adaptation to, to changing the way that you're eating? Well, not that I'm aware of other than not eating anything, which yeah, is a good strategy. Yeah. So, uh, you know, for many people, you know, it, they have health improvement instantly, not just because of the fasting, but because they're not eating foods that they're reacting to. They're or sensitive or allergic to. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. There was a, I read a thing that the AMA said that 85% of, of, uh, diseases are mental stress induced. Have you ever heard anything like that? Does that sound crazy? Well, even the CDC has quotes those stats too. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's pretty well accepted, uh, that this, that emotional issues contribute widely to this, but you know, it doesn't discount the importance of sleeping well, minimizing exposures to toxins like EMF and movement. Yeah. But all that's tied up. So it's just interesting. Like, like I think sometimes we can keep on firing, you know, various different pharmaceutical drugs or what have you at a person that really just needs to have some empathy or some connection or someone to kind of guide them to a point of, of them, you know, healing themselves. But it's like, mm -hmm. that's a, it's harder to measure that, you know, we become attached to the stuff that we can measure, you know, is mm -hmm. it, is, is there anything, do you, do you still see, uh, patients or are you, you're, you don't do no, I've, I haven't seen patients for about 10 years. Yeah. I focus full time on leveraging my time to make a greater impact. And, and we have with the site, I feel like 30 million unique views a month. Wow. Uh, so that's unique, you know, not just views and that adds up. Uh, so we were able to have impact all over the world and it's pretty impressive. Like when I go to these events where there's, thousands of people to hear the stories. I mean, it's such a, a joy to, to get that type of feedback. Cause I don't get it in my office, of course, cause I'm not, I'm just working alone. Was, but, was, yeah. Was there anything that you learned as far as creating connection with people when, when you were working with patients, was there any kind of like tricks or tips? I mean, you still have to do that presently, but is that, well, the foundation, one that almost all physicians learn is listen to their patients. They will tell you what's wrong with them. And everyone, everyone's taught that in medical school, but hmm. virtually no one applies it. You know, they, they, don't, they just have them fill out their inventory questionnaire to find out what the, the you know, chief complaint is or the, their diagnosis that they're coming in, type, monitor their medications, tweak them a little bit, and that's the end of it. Hmm. So if you listen to and spend time to do a careful history, you'll typically, they will tell you what the problem is, but that, that history, you know, typically is going to take, I can't, it's hard to do it under a half hour, probably closer to an hour, maybe even longer to get that detailed history. Hmm. 
Is there anything we're, we're running run low in time? Is there anything else that maybe stands out from the fat for fuel book or just anything that that's relevant for people to start, start tinkering with at home? Well, when you, choose foods and you're going to play with ketogenesis the important thing to understand is because many people make are confused like i was that this is a really healthy diet you should do it all the time but it's only an approach that should be used uh until your body is able to create ketones which you can determine by either measuring them in your urine breath or blood least expensive way is in your urine but when you're do once your body has that metabolic flexibility then then you want to start in, integrating more carbohydrates you want to refeed your microbiome and and balance your diet a little better with with help more healthy vegetables and fruits so uh but the vast majority as i said 80 90 percent of people really need to go on a strict keto for weeks or months some people even longer until they oh. are able to get rid of the excess body fat that they have and and get their insulin resistance down so that they can start uh reaping the benefits of giving their body the opportunity to heal the diseases that they've encountered did you see the story that the fellow that stopped eating for a year he was like huge oh, yeah like 500 yeah, yeah. pounds 400 pounds something like that and yeah. it worked great <laughs> It was, like three, it was like 370 days, right? Yeah. And then yeah, he was medically supervised, of course. So you're not going to want to do that by yourself. Yeah, right. But um, yeah, it's but just you can. you can go yeah. a long time. What the body can do. We just you, can, you, can, you can only go for about a month without sleep and you will be dead. You know that's, a long, that's longer than I think even. I know. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a long, but you know what you die from, interestingly? Tell me. What do you think? Oh man, I would say amyloid beta plaque building up in your brain and your brain suffering. Well, that that's definitely causes <laughs> the problem, but I don't think that's gonna, that's not the, the though the typical observed observe cause of death is infection because it destroys your immune system. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So you die from some massive sepsis. Oh God. They do. They do that. They do this to animals all the time. And of course, they don't have to to sleep deprive them for a month. And I, actually, I don't know. They used to because it's probably it would never get passed by an IRB protocol because it's cruelty to animals to do that. But yeah. We don't look at the gray area. There's a lot of people walking around the world that seem to be pretty close to maybe not death, but certainly like zombie-esque, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, and then there, you know, it's all the same stuff that we're talking about now. It's like, well, that's, that's happening. You know, they're surrounded by the EMF stuff. They're staring at cell phones. They probably mm -hmm. aren't motivated, but you fill in the blank thing. But it's, it's, I think it's the gray area that's the most insidious, you know, mm -hmm. when things get violently bad, we're like, oh, of course it's terrible, but Gotta look at the gray. All right. Well, thank you so much, man. I really, really enjoyed getting to getting to chat with you. There's so much more to. to yeah, I look forward to catching up with you at Caljam. Yeah, absolutely. How do people? I mean, it's not hard to find you on the interwebs and all that stuff. But what's uh, Fat for Fuel is is probably a good place to go on Amazon. And well, the, the, well, we you know get the free stuff. Just go to our newsletter at Mercola.com. Subscribe to that. It's a daily newsletter and has all the latest. Uh, you know, we've got a large staff. We, the, the website is a real treasury of of health past health articles. We've been online for 20 years, so mm -hmm. we're one of the first ones out there. Certainly not the first, but one of the one of the the, the pioneers years and in, in spreading health information out there and, and actually we have like uh our site is in seven or eight different languages now so well, some languages like in spanish we're the number one health site in the world for for spanish so but anyway to go there if you just type in a, a question you have on any topic and you'll usually come up with dozens if not hundreds or even more articles and then you can subscribe to the newsletter newsletter to keep current 
Awesome. Thank you so much, man. I really appreciate it. I look forward to uh, running into you in January. That's right. All right. Cool. All right. See you soon. All right, Aaron. Thank you. Podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning into the podcast. If you want to support what we are doing and you are digging it, um, one thing you can do is you can jump onto aligntherapy.com and grab yourself an Align band, which is a heavy duty resistance band and the door anchor and um, comes with an instructional video guide and breakdown decompression of those joints, self-care stuff, exercise stuff is great. Um, some free things that you guys can do, one of which would be, as we mentioned, utilizing the Amazon affiliate link, top hand, right hand corner of the podcast page and uh, just bookmark that thing anytime you purchase crap on Amazon we get about six or seven percent of that cost you nothing and um, also you could jump on to audibletrial.com slash align to get yourself a free audible audio book and a free month subscription costs you absolutely nothing and kicks us down some some scratch um, thank you guys so much really appreciate your support and uh, thanks for sharing thanks for tuning in wouldn't be possible without you and look forward to seeing you next week